Welcome to Revelant, where we are revealing the relevant and revolutionary Word of God. I am your host, Mia Chani. You can find this every Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, on Preach the Word Network, and on all of your local podcast stations. Today, we will be speaking about exit strategy. I think we all could agree that there's a lot going on in our world. Many people are recognizing the signs of the times and others are wondering why they are having to endure so many problems, so many hardships. Many people of God are burdened by many things. Many are going through spiritually, financially, and sometimes physically. But we serve a God who is a deliverer. And he doesn't want us to think like the world, nor accept what our senses reveal to us. The world speaks gloom and doom, but our God has his children. We should walk in the spirit by faith and in truth, understanding what the will of the Lord is for this season. We must realize that the enemy is angered about God's people serving God wholeheartedly. He's angry about God's people advancing God's cause. And he's terrified of the kingdom of God advancing. So he's not pulling out any stops because his time is short. I believe today's lesson will encourage us that yes, there's many afflictions for the righteous. The rest of that scripture is that the Lord, but the Lord will deliver us from them all. And in this season, God wants us to be reminded that trouble doesn't last always. We should be encouraged because just like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, God will deliver us. He has an exit strategy. Let's look at Exodus 1, 5 through 14. And it reads, and All the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. 
and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service, wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. Israel had once been a place of supernatural provision for the children of Israel. A place wherein, even in famine, Israel was provided for by God through Joseph. God allowed them to flourish and increase there. And there were times of peace and tranquility. But God never wants us to become dependent on the place of our provision. He doesn't want us to become stagnant nor complacent. He wants us to always grow and always flourish. Not become comfortable in what or how he has grown us in the past, but trusting and depending on him for more growth in our present, for and in our future. God is our source, and it is he only that we should serve. When we serve him, we are mighty and become mightier. We become more and more like him. We are advised in scripture repeatedly to not become defiled by the world, not be lovers of the world, and that the world tempts us to sin. We can glean, therefore, from the multiplicity of scripture references that the phrase the world or worldliness often denotes the state or weight of the heathen, one who does not know God. There is a distinct difference between the people of God and the world. Here in scripture, the children of Israel represent the people of God. Egypt represents the world. And the king of Egypt represents the prince of this world, Satan. Satan, our enemy, is fearful of the people of God because he doesn't want his kingdom to fail. So he always seeks to control the people of God, to lull us to sleep. He will use various tactics to distract us from being who God wants us to be, from worshiping God in spirit and in truth, distracting us from growing and becoming mighty. He wants to frustrate our increase. So he will bring calamity, distress, and burdens upon us to stop our growth in the things of God. Why? Because he doesn't want us to become mightier and mightier and overthrow his systems. But we mustn't fret. Because when we see the enemy getting fearful of us and bringing all manner of evil up against us, God is about to set us free and launch us toward the promised land. The devil wants to make us ineffectual in the world, complacent and comfortable. He wants us to become impatient and desire our portion, our promotion before it's time void of patience, faith, and trust in God like the prodigal son. He wants us to circumvent the process of suffering to learn obedience, to deter us from waiting on the Lord for the promise. He wants us to be concerned with the cares of this world, believing that God is tearing and get ahead of God or interfere. 
He wants us to be disobedient like King Saul and turn away from God, missing out on God's promises. He wants us to come up with our own plans and schemes like Sarah. Satan wants us to utilize his systems, and his systems are the world's systems. See, the world requires allegiance to Satan and his methods and rules in, uh, in order to obtain anything. The world's systems exist out God and is based on the works of the flesh, the fruit of which is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. The Bible tells us the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. So he tries to lure us into the world, into his systems, and lull our desire for and devotion to God away. See, in the world system, it's all about man. And man is selfish and lovers of themselves. He wants us to forget God as our source for all and take our eyes off Jesus. He wants us to serve mammon and store up treasures for ourselves here on earth. He doesn't want us to walk in the spirit and by faith in God. The enemy doesn't want us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He wants us to utilize worldly systems instead. So he seeks to burden us by oppression and depression and shame and condemnation and frustration, etc., etc. But 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9 tells us we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. That treasure is Jesus. And because we have him, we can be troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We can be perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Because God seeks and will glorify himself through us. Let's look at Exodus 3, 7 through 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to, the, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Man, that's a lot of ites, I'm sorry. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, in this text, it reminds us 
But though we suffer through afflictions, the stage is being set for God to be glorified. And God will use the sufferings and the oppressions and the afflictions that we go through. 1 Peter 5.10 tells us that God, that the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after we have suffered a while, he will make us perfect, establish, strengthen, settle us. The enemy's time is short, so he wants to create all kinds of havoc in the world against the people of God, those who have come to know God in Christ Jesus. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Lord knows the suffering and afflictions we go through. God uses them to perfect us, to help us recognize we have an enemy to defeat. We have the power to defeat it. This is why before Jesus began his earthly ministry, he had to go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It was training. There are times in our lives wherein we are greatly afflicted by the enemy, but God knows and uses it for our good. Praise God. The text says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Sometimes when God may be silent, it is comforting to know that he still sees all that is happening to us. Simply because we are in this world, tribulations will come. These afflictions don't come because we have done something wrong. They come because of who we are. The children of Israel were a threat to the enemy's strategy. For the people of God, it is because we are mighty and powerful and ever-increasing that the enemy wants to burden us. It is because the enemy fears we will upset his systems, his plans, his kingdom, and we do and we will, that he burdens us. It is amazing to note that God never leaves us in the state of affliction. Trouble doesn't last always. He always has a plan for our good, to prosper us, to give us more than we can ask or think. Scripture says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man what the Lord has for them that love him. He will come down to deliver his children. He is going to bring us out of bondage and out of our many afflictions because he has a plan for us and no devil in hell can stop it. He's got a promise for us that is amazing, flowing with milk and honey our sustenance of life and the sweet product of life. In other words, life and life more abundantly. And guess what? He will prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. Yes, in the place of all those ites. <laughs> Let's go to Exodus 3, 18 to 22. God begins to speak to Moses here. And he's beginning to tell Moses about the plan, the exit strategy. And it reads, and they shall hearken to thy voice, talking about to Moses' voice. And thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And he shall say unto him, 
the Lord God of the Hebrews hath left with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. I've said this before, but one word from God can change your life. God wants us to rise up in faith and say, enough is enough. I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm not going to stay bound, confused, defeated. I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I have authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, and I will believe the word of the Lord. What am I doing? When we hear the word of the Lord, the plan of God, faith should rise up in us and cause us to no longer believe the lies of the enemy. Here in this text, God is telling Moses as the deliverer and prophet, the plan, the exit strategy. The word of the Lord can deliver us from the afflictions and the burdens we face. The enemy hates to lose, however. So he doesn't like to give up territory. And here in this text, God mentioned the king of Egypt would not release them without a fight. But this was going to allow God to perform his wonders. God is keen on, keen on showing his glory. So much so that he tells them that when they leave, they will not go out empty. God is amazing. Not only is he going to set them free, but he's going to bring them out with spoils. He will always provide for his children from the hand of the enemy. Like the scripture says, the wealth is laid up for the just. He made the Egyptians give up all of their stuff to the people of God so that they would have it when they were freed from their bondage. And see, God always does exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He will be glorified. He didn't want the children of Israel to leave with lack because then they would want to return to their bondage. But he does a thing and it's well done. So he ensured that they retained the spoils. So many times we forget that even though we may be going through financially, God will always provide for his children's needs. He will always provide for our needs. He's thinking ahead of us. He can send manna from heaven to feed us, give us water from a rock, have a fish cough up our tax money. He really is a God who can provide. The world focuses on the acquisition of things and money, but that shouldn't be for the people of God because we have a God who provides, who's always thinking ahead about our provision. 
The world focuses on those things, but not so in the kingdom of God. We know that God will supply all our needs in Christ Jesus. Just like in a battle, we must also remember that to the victor goes the spoils. So in this text, God was also telling Moses to declare victory. That is what God is telling us. That though we may be burdened and facing afflictions, there's an exit strategy and we have the victory. We will come out of our bondage and afflictions with the spoils and God will perfect everything that concerns us. Take him at his word. He is not a man that he should lie. Keep the faith despite what it may look like. The enemy doesn't want us free. He, he resists us. We must not give him any attention. Just keep believing God and what he said. We must walk in what God says, no matter what it looks like. Just like the children of Israel, he will bring us out. He will deliver us because he has an exit strategy. Exodus 12, 29 through 32. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up, get you forth from among my people both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. Listen, after nine plagues they have gone through and been impacted by, the king was still not letting the people of God go. But the enemy doesn't want the people of God to be free. He wants us bound and restricted. He doesn't want us to resist the worldly system, nor does he want the kingdom of God advanced. He wants us focused on the cares of this world, focused on works instead of resting in Christ. He wants us to get off track and be consumed by the lust of our flesh. He doesn't want us mighty and ever increasing, but God knows when and how our deliverance will come. It may not come on the first time or the third time, but when the Lord gets through with the enemy on our behalf, the enemy will ask us to leave to serve God. We don't have to worry. It took the 10th plague for the king of Egypt to get it and send for Moses and Aaron. And look, he sent for them at midnight, the darkest point of the night. See, God can change our situation in the middle of the night. When things are the darkest, when we have given up all hope, when there's sorrow and distress all around us, God will set us free from the bondage of the enemy even then. He will free us up in our mind, in our soul, in our finances, physically, to serve the living God with freedom and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Exodus 12, 40 tells us that the children of Israel had dwelt in Egypt 430 years. That's a long time. Our deliverance may seem to be taking a long time in coming, but when it comes, it's going to come suddenly. And we must trust God in his timing, receiving by faith that it will come. Exodus 12, 51 states, and it came to pass the self-same day. See that suddenly 
that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their army. See, God can change things suddenly. Things can look like they're never going to change. But we may be casted down by burdens. And we, we may have casted our burdens onto the Lord again and again. And then one day, all of a sudden, our deliverance comes. Exodus 14, 5 through 14. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled in the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have left Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. He took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook the, them in camping by the sea besides Pyrath before Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away into the desert to die? Wherefore hast thou dealt us with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. See, the enemy is crazy. Ten plagues, and he's still chasing the children of Israel. He doesn't give up easy. You would think after all the battles he's lost, he would give up by now because our God never loses a battle. But yet he keeps pursuing the people of God with the hope that we won't get fully delivered or that we will turn back to the world or even that we will stop our pursuit of God or our spiritual disciplines. Here the children of Israel get scared and begin to murmur and complain that perhaps the bondage of Egypt was better. See, the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we must be on guard 24-7, 365 for the entirety of our lives. He may look like a roaring lion, but it's still a mirage. The enemy uses the tactic of fear to get us off track. He makes our problems look big and our God looks small. Don't think for a second that the enemy is not going to come after you again after your first taste of deliverance. Psalm 34, 19 states, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. The Lord will fight for us. While there are some battles we won't have to fight anymore and some victories which we will not have to conquer anymore, we must not become complacent to believe that the enemy won't try us again. We must stay vigilant because we have an adversary and he's the devil. So our job is to continually focus on Jesus who keeps us in perfect peace. The end of the story was that the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians were engulfed by the waters, and they had no more problems thereafter because they saw them no more forever. We must not become contaminated 
by the world. That because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we will encounter many afflictions. But we should be of good cheer because the Lord will deliver us. He will give us victory and bring us out with the spoils because he has an exit strategy.